afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's going on and welcome to Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Wojak and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Luke Smith. And we're here to get you ready for Notre Dame's biggest game of the regular season, the Shamrock Series game against the number 18 Wisconsin Badgers. The two schools are set to face off on Saturday at Soldier Field for the first time since 1964. Kickoff is around 11 a.m. local time, which is just disgustingly early for a college football game, especially the biggest game of the week. But anyway, um, the experts in Vegas are giving Notre Dame points this weekend, and kind of a lot of them. The line has fluctuated a bit, but as of this recording, Notre Dame is six and a half point underdogs, and the over-under is at a modest 46 and a half. Um, this is the game everyone had marked on their calendars going into the season, and despite slightly underwhelming starts from both teams, it's still going to be the center of the college football world on Saturday. College game day is going to be there. Fox Big Noon kickoff is going to be there. Even the Barstool College Football Show is pulling up, and I will be making the trip from Los Angeles to Chicago again to be in attendance for this one, despite the fact I swore off traveling to any big Notre Dame games. Oh, after. stop. Don't give me that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I'm just saying. I, I think I said it on record, too. Um, after you and I had to sit through that blowout in the ACC championship. I mean, we I can't I, we can't be the podcast that says ain't no curses all the time, and then you still think that you're hexing this program somehow. All right, that's a fair point. <laughs> All right, well, we can start there then. Uh, what are you most looking forward to this weekend? I think just more broadly, it's finally not some scrubby, no-name program like Purdue or Toledo or a program like Florida State that's down on its luck. Like It's an actual game to be excited about. This is the first game I've actually looked or tried to see what national people are saying about Notre Dame because like the first three games – just there was no doubt in my mind Notre Dame was going to win the game. Obviously, we made those a little bit more interesting than they needed to be, but nobody's talking about Notre Dame Toledo, Notre Dame Purdue. So I think that's a big thing for me. It's it just it felt today as I was walking to work like all right, this is actually a big game week, and um, I'm excited about that. Yeah, it doesn't have necessarily like the excitement or fanfare that Clemson did last season because I mean Clemson was ranked. Number one in the country, and that game was going to be played at Notre Dame Stadium. But the fact that every pregame show is going to be there, and what's there's only one other ranked matchup, I think, Texas A&M Arkansas. Like okay. everyone is going to be watching this game. Well, and because it's at 11 a.m., so they you know have nothing else <laughs> to watch because Fox is really kind of scooching the pooch on their broadcast already this week. I, I think you saw the graphic they put together. Which right. coach would you rather play for, Brian Kelly or Paul Christ? Who they thought was Brian Kelly was Jeff Quinn. So I I, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they don't doing. even look alike. Yeah, and then they put together that awful half-and-half half jersey on Cone. So 
they're doing a really bad job. I already wasn't happy with them. And uh, Brady Quinn needs to yell at somebody in there because it's just, it's, they're, they're not on top of their game right now. I know a lot of people are pissed. And when I was looking at some other big 10, some Fox big noon kickoff, like every time a team gets assigned that game, all the fans are pissed. Because mm-hmm. everyone hates noon kickoffs. It's great, except when your team plays there. And it especially sucks right. when the game is at Soldier Field, which may as well be in another state. It's such a pain to get to Soldier Field, no matter where you are in Chicago. You can't Uber there unless you want to pay an arm and a leg. You There are no bars, and there's very the tailgate lots are actually you know a decent time around there, but it's very hard to get up for an 11 a.m. game and do that. Uh, the closest red line stop is about 20 minutes from Soldier Field, so that's great. Uh, the, the stadium itself sucks. The The last time I was there for a Notre Dame game, Notre Dame did put the wood on Miami, and I had a great time that day. It's also kind of scary that that's now nine years ago because yeah. it does not feel like that at all, but I guess I was in high school. The fact that I was in high school nine years ago is also a little bit scary, but I don't know. Uh, I'm not really thrilled about being in Soldier Field, like, I hate that place. I have a lot of bad memories of myself <laughs> outside of that game. A lot of bad Bears losses, so I, I'm not too thrilled about that, and I just can't wait till this game's in Arlington Heights the next time we have a Shamrock Series game in the Chicagoland area. How do you feel about marquee college football games being played at pro stadiums? Because that's been a big talking point this week, a lot of people complaining. And on mm-hmm. one hand, I get it, um, but on the other hand, like, if this game where how it was scheduled to be last season when Notre mm-hmm. Dame and Wisconsin were supposed to play at Lambeau like that opportunity seems awesome but um, I understand why some people think that it takes away from the college atmosphere which I think it does partially but um, that's just been a big topic of discussion going around I've seen it on Twitter um, I even saw it on College Football Live how do you feel about it? I think this particular one is interesting because it's two games and they're both at neutral site stadiums I would be totally fine with this if it was one at Lambeau and then one at Camp Randall and one in South Bend. Like, you scheduled three games. Like, I th- I think college basketball does this a lot. I know Notre Dame-Kentucky comes to mind where there's a home-and-home and, home and also a neutral site game. I think that's a good way to do it. But I can also say that the Georgia-Clemson game I went to in Charlotte was awesome. And that's a pro stadium and it's not really like a very cool pro stadium, but I thought it was an awesome atmosphere. I would love to experience camp Randall. I've been there one time. It's a really little kid, but um, I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really mind it. I just think there's probably better ways to go about it. And this one's a little bit unique because it's two games and they're both at neutral sites. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm with you. I'd love to go to a game at camp Randall. That's pretty widely regarded as one of the best college football atmospheres in the country. And this week is the two-year anniversary of the Notre Dame-Georgia game in Athens in 2019. You and I were both there. Mm -hmm. That was an incredible time up until the very end when Notre Dame lost. But I kind of wish I got to experience that, like if this game had been played at Camp Randall, because going to Athens, experiencing that was so fun. And I just, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be cool that it's at Soldier Field, but I'm going to miss that aspect of it being in a new, unique college town. Speaking of Georgia, I think I said this to you last night, but when I was at the Georgia-Clemson game, I Justin Ross, that was his return to football, and I was watching him warm up, and I was reminded of when he torched Dante Vaughn in the Clemson, yeah. uh, the Cotton Bowl forget. in 2018. And so I tweeted something like, I'm watching Justin Ross warm up somewhere, Dante Vaughn weeps. This was three weeks ago, right? <laughs> I get a response last night as I'm about to go to bed from Louis Vaughn saying, 
bitch, ain't no weeping here. <laughs> Hashtag 901 in parentheses South Memphis. So Dante Vaughn's dad was searching his name on Twitter last night, three weeks after I tweeted that, and uh, let me hear it. So shout out Louis Vaughn, Dante Vaughn. Hope you're doing all right these days. But that was entertaining. I, I mean, I'm sure he, he probably still is licking his wounds from that, though, no doubt. Yeah, just imagine what he did following that Clemson game, or even during it. It just seemed... Mm-hmm. Like the sky was falling on Dante Vaughn. But, all right, uh, let's shift gears now to this actual game, what Wisconsin has, what Notre Dame has. What do you think is going to happen when Notre Dame has the ball? So I think that a lot has been made about the disadvantage that Notre Dame's offensive line is at. And I think that that's fair. Um, and, And frankly, Wisconsin's defense is perennially elite, and this year appears to be no different. Jack Sanborn is who everyone is talking about, and he's a Lake County product. Went to Lake Zurich, so he's a bear. A couple towns over from me. He might be the best pass-rushing linebacker in the country, and more importantly, he gets his running mate back this week in Leo Chanel, who missed the first few weeks with COVID, but will play Saturday. This Chanel dude just looks like a meathead, and I imagine he will be playing with some serious intensity on Saturday. All of Wisconsin looks like meatheads. Like no, the entire this, roster. <laughs> this guy's like a, like a Jersey meathead, it, so if Ooh, that makes sense. Um, that is a different kind of meathead. Yes, like tatted Italian guy, just kind of a nut job. Um, but schematically, the Badgers run a, a ton of cover one, and I think that will continue Saturday if they watch any of the tape of what Purdue did. Generally speaking, they're they're a three-down team, but they will play four-down sometimes at two-edge or outside linebackers standing up a good amount as well. And one of those outside linebackers is is Nate Herbig, who I worry could give Josh Lug or whoever's on the other side, whether it's Carmody or Baker, some some problems. He's a very high-motor player, and I frankly don't have a ton of faith in our offensive line, which I will get to later. But from, from a positive standpoint, they do have some vulnerabilities in the secondary. They gave up a few big plays in the area in Sean Clifford in Penn State week one. That's been an area of strength for the Irish this year, the big pass, and I look for them to try to attack that Saturday. And, and frankly, I think it's going to be the best way for them to, to score because I, I think I would be very surprised, as would a lot of people, if Notre Dame was able to sustain drives against Wisconsin. Their, their strength is, frankly, how they're able to get off the field so quickly. They don't have a ton of tackles for loss or, or extremely high havoc rate, but they just get off the field so efficiently. And, and I think that Notre Dame, in order for them to score, that they're going to have to have some explosive plays. Um, and, and that's really going to be our best shot in that game. Now, that mismatch that I mentioned between Notre Dame's struggling offensive line and Wisconsin's defensive line, I think a lot of people are saying this could be the game right here. While I do agree that Notre Dame is at a disadvantage in the matchup, I think the Irish are more talented everywhere else on the field. And as it pertains to this matchup, I'm very interested to see what Tommy Reese does formationally to get Jack Cohn in position to succeed. We talked about this a little bit offline, but I I think it could be a lot like the Georgia game in 2019 where Notre Dame just essentially punts on running the football. Chip Long managed to find some unique ways for Notre Dame to move the ball, and, and they had a chance to win it in that game. And that Georgia defense was a hell of a lot better than this Wisconsin one, and that's no disrespect to this Wisconsin one. But in, in that case, Ian Book threw the ball 47 times. I don't know if it'll be quite that many Saturday, and, and it likely won't be, given Wisconsin's dominance and time of possession. But I do think you'll see some unique stuff on Saturday, and, and I'm interested to see what that looks like. But other than that, I'm really eager to see how Notre Dame uses Tyler Buckner offensively, given that he's healthy. 
that is obviously a way for them to extend the running game, but but do they open the playbook for him passing if he's playing? After a lot of chatter last week that it was his time, Jack Cohn kind of silenced the noise with a good second half last week, and obviously Buckner had a hamstring injury and not playing, but to me it almost seemed like that was brushed over, and people just didn't even really acknowledge that that is what happened, and now they're just kind of on to the next news cycle. Like, I feel like I didn't hear a ton of Buckner chatter this week. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like I haven't heard, it, heard, heard a bunch there. And finally, I mean, I'd be remiss not to mention him. What does Jack Cohn do against his old team? Uh, he's been criticized for not recognizing blitzes numerous times this year. You would think that he would actually have an inherent advantage in recognizing things Saturday, given his four years at Wisconsin. He can say he's not mad about how things shook out all he wants, but I just can't believe that he's happy. I mean, he's got to have a chip on his shoulder here. I really do expect him to play the best game of, of his season Saturday. And I think he's going to have to just the way that how good this Wisconsin defense is and, and the way that Notre Dame's offensive line has struggled to date. And, and I expect them to struggle on Saturday. Um, I think Cohn's going to play the best game of the season. And, and that's what I expect from a, from a fifth year senior and, and a graduate student who is playing his former team. And that's a pretty high bar considering what Cohn was able to do against Florida state. True. And I, I like what you said about how Cohn is sort of dismissing any notion that he's going to be up more for this one. He even said it's going to be weird going against his former team. But as I believe Pete Sampson mentioned, the family certainly is not shy about saying how badly they want to beat Wisconsin and how badly (laughs) Cone is. And that's a little bit of the Long Island attitude coming out. Um, The Buckner thing, it was kind of interesting because there was no official word during the game. You just saw him on the sideline with his helmet off. And you just sort of assumed, okay, he's not he's not coming in the rest of the game. Um, as for the offensive line and the comparison to Georgia, it's a little bit different because, like you said, Georgia's defense was in, insane that year, particularly the front seven. Notre Dame's inability to run, I think, had a little bit more to do with the fact that they had one healthy oh, running back that yeah. they could count on, and Tony Jones. No, absolutely, the line, yeah. The line wasn't as, as much of a concern. It wasn't what it was in, in 2020, and it was still working out some kinks. But it's a little bit different now where Notre Dame actually has two really, really good running backs to get the ball. It's right. just they don't trust the line to get a push. So how does that open up ways for Reese to get more creative? Personally, I think Notre Dame should run a lot of screens. It could be tunnel screens, halfback screens up the middle, bubble screens on the outside, pretty much just anything so that Cone can get the ball out as soon as possible and then give his line just um, less opportunities to get beat. But is there any way that you think Reese might um, try to attack or maybe make up for the uh, offensive line going up against the strong Wisconsin front? I do think you're going to see a lot of screen passes in this game. Um, honestly, hopefully blitzing linebackers, some of those slants like that we saw that Kyron scored on last week, I, I, I love that. I think that's been there all year. Now, I, I, obviously, Wisconsin has it on tape now. But um, I think this is where you reach into the bag of tricks. Now, I, I hope I have – I don't know how much we've really shown in the first three games. I don't. like because And a lot of that is due to the fact that the offensive line has been so poor that I feel like we haven't had a ton of developing plays, and it's kind of just been – chuck the ball downfield and hope somebody comes down with it um, or just some kind of screen passes where Kyron makes something happen. But I, I don't know how much we've shown. Like maybe now we start to open it up a little bit. That obviously requires the offensive line to play better ways. Um, but I'm hopeful that this week gave Reese some time to, to put Cone in positions to succeed. I don't know what that's going to look like. 
like I said, if Buckner's healthy, I don't know how they're going to use him either, but I'm eager to see that. But it'll be interesting. And I, I do want to go back to what you said about how it's a little bit different than the George game. I agree. I, I was actually going to get to that in the over-unders because I think our backs this year are obviously much better than where Tony Jones was at that time two years ago. Yeah. Now he's a player for the Saints, so which it's is, weird. Sort of which is weird. Yeah. But um, on the converse, even though that 2019 line struggled, I think they were in a much better place then than where the, you know, where this line is today. Although, honestly, maybe this game does. No, no, I'm not going to say it reminds me that much <laughs> of it because weren't we like 17 point dogs? 16, yeah, or something. It was insane. It was nearly three scores. Now, I mean, I still think this. I think six and a half is freaking insane, given what Wisconsin's looked like to date. But um, yeah, I don't know. Another similarity with that game, though, is that after the first two games Notre Dame played, when they looked pretty sluggish against Louisville, and then they played New Mexico the next week, and honestly, I think in the first quarter of that game they were only up seven nothing. It took them a while to get going, but Notre Dame didn't look very impressive at all in either of those two games. And mm-hmm. I'm not glad going into that Georgia game the biggest concern was the linebackers and the defense. And then that's the game when uh, Owusu Kormoa like burst onto the scene, played incredible that game. And the defense as a whole played pretty lights out, all things considered. Like they just got beat by a team that was probably a little bit better. Is Notre Dame going to have a performance like that again, where some of their weaknesses going into that game all of a sudden turn it on? I don't know, but the opportunity is definitely there. Well, hey, if the offensive line does that, then I will be absolutely floored. But I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I agree. So we've talked about Cohen a lot. Now we have to mention the other side of the coin. Being Graham Mertz, the starting quarterback for Wisconsin, you know the story. Mertz entered the program as the highest-rated quarterback recruit in school history back in 2019. Cohn beat him out that year and was expected to be the starter again in 2020, coming off a Rose Bowl appearance, but he breaks his foot right before the season starts. Mertz took over. He lights up Illinois in the opening night of Big Ten football, and after that, you know, there really was no looking back for Wisconsin. Mertz is going to be their guy, but since that night, Mertz has been very average like he threw for 230 yards against a pretty tough northwestern defense last year but they lost that game 17 to 7 he's yet to throw a touchdown pass this year and in their season opener against penn state he looked terrible like to be honest that's being generous he looked awful yeah give credit to penn state they might be the best team in the big 10 this year but Mertz threw two picks had some fumbles some really ugly intentional groundings and i'm sure he has a chip on his shoulder going up against cone but I haven't seen anything from him that really scares me if I'm Notre Dame. At the running back position, you know, Jonathan Taylor isn't walking through that door. Melvin Gordon ain't walking through that door either. Ches Malusi is the one leading the rushing attack for Wisconsin this year. And Irish fans might remember him because Autry Denson and the Notre Dame staff recruited him really hard back when Malusi was in high school. But he actually ended up committing to Clemson yep. and then transferred to Wisconsin this past summer. Um he doesn't have the star power that we're accustomed to seeing from Wisconsin backs, but he's a pretty solid player. So far this season, he's ran for 265 yards, 51 carries, two scores. Granted, over half of those came against um, Eastern Michigan. But Wisconsin also has their leading rusher from last season back in Jalen Berger. And expect junior Isaac Garendo to get some carries as well. It's, you know, the typical Wisconsin offense, yeah. run, run, run. We did see him. We saw Malusi last year in round one. He got in for a snap. The, t- the time that Clemson couldn't run the ball against us at all. 
I remember they took ETN out for a snap in like the third quarter. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Um, but he did yeah. play in that game. Yeah, he was a four star. I believe he was a top 200 player. He's pretty talented. I don't think people expected him to walk on it or to enter the program and be the clear number one, considering Berger was coming back. But that appears to be the case now. And to be honest, they're they're pretty weak at the receiver position. They certainly mm-hmm. don't have a guy like Quintez Cephas, who's Cone's favorite target back in 2019. Now he plays for the Lions. Danny Davis the third is their leading receiver in yards, but he only has 129 in two games. Mertz likes to find his tight end, Jake Ferguson. Oh, can I say something about this guy? You have some thoughts? I don't know Jake Ferguson at all. Let me preface this with that. (laughs) However, the Mertz debut game, uh, which was last October, I was watching with some Wisconsin grads, actually, and the one girl would not stop yelling about Jake Ferguson. I think he had two touchdowns in that game. And she just kept saying, Jake, Jake, I know him. So I've hated him ever since (laughs) just because she annoyed the daylights out of me. I was like, this is the worst game watching experience of my life. and I don't care about this game at all. So I I had to leave, but I can still hear her voice in my head saying, Jake, Jake, I know him. And the thing is, she missed both touchdowns, but we were watching the game. She goes, oh, play it back, play it back. I'm like, I'm not freaking playing this back like it, it was just driving me nuts so was she like a psychotic ex-girlfriend or something what was going on there no but she was an ex-wisconsin cheerleader so um i don't know i don't know what was going on there like so he's my friend i'm like yeah i'm sure he is <laughs> clearly yeah um so yeah i mean expect Mertz to try to find him notre dame did pretty well against a tight end last week Payne durham i mentioned in the preview before that i thought they'd try to find him more and, and notre dame pretty much eliminated him from the game on the offensive line, you know, it's a very typical Wisconsin line. They're big as hell. The average weight of their starting lineman is 316 pounds. They're disciplined, and they're going to try to wear you down in the fourth quarter. They lost their first team all Big Ten left tackle and starting guard from last season. But you know what it is. They just reload with more big, impressive dudes. Um, just all just giant meatheads, kind of like what we were discussing earlier. I'm really excited to see what Marcus Freeman and the defense have in store going up against this group from Wisconsin. The Badgers are 10th in the country in rushing yards per game at 266, but they rank 95th in passing efficiency. Notre Dame got gashed on the ground in the second half of the Florida State game, but they were playing a much more conservative style because they had an 18-point lead, and that quickly vanished after they resorted to a three-man front. And last week, Notre Dame had a ton of success going up against the pass-heavy offense of Purdue, and they incorporated a lot of dime and dollar sets with up to six defensive backs on the field at once to shut Purdue down. And look, that worked well against the Boilermakers, but this is pretty much the complete opposite um, in what Wisconsin likes to do. So I doubt we see those defensive sets at all, unless it's like a third in a million. So what will Notre Dame do? I bet we see Notre Dame stack the box, play a ton of man-to-man. Marcus Freeman loves man-to-man. I think Notre Dame definitely has better skilled players on defense than Wisconsin does on offense for that to work and just dare Mertz to throw it. Like Notre Dame is the best defensive player in college football mm-hmm. and Kyle Hamilton lurking in the secondary. If Mertz doesn't know where number 14 is at all times, Hamilton could have two picks in this one. And in a game like this, those kinds of plays might very well be the difference in the game. No, I agree. Uh, to be honest, it reminds me of when the Bears' defense was good and they were playing Jared Goff and the Rams and Goff would throw like six picks a game, uh, that's kind of what I'm expecting from Mertz on Saturday. I just think he's a mental midget, and I think he stinks, and I think he's going to have a really rough day. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> throwing the ball around. Uh, I just, I'm just i so sick of hearing about Graham Mertz. I'm so sick of hearing about him, even though I think everybody, 
Actually, why am I sick? I don't know why I'm sick of hearing about him. I don't think I really hear about yeah, him. Yeah, I was going to say the conversation like, around him has cooled off quite a bit ever since he beat on <laughs> beat up the fight in Lovey Smith uh, last year. Yeah, anyways, I don't think he's good, and I don't think anybody else does either, but I just I, it reminds me of like a Goff versus the Bears type game where he throws six picks. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Hamilton has had a pick in every game, and even though the one got wiped out against Toledo, that was – well, I don't want to say it was clearly a pick, but it certainly wasn't clearly not a pick, and that's what it was a pick. Has has one review gone no the way of Notre Dame this season? No, I think we're owing over four, over over three or over four. Yeah, I remember during the Purdue game when they said that the play was being reviewed. I thought they meant for targeting. I was like, oh my god, like Hamilton might be out for the first half against. Wisconsin. Oh, that one, that one we did win. So they did officially review it. It, it was weird because. Like they, I don't think they ever like explicitly mentioned. No, 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 no. They didn't review it for targeting. They reviewed to see if he caught the ball. Oh, okay. So that, so that one we technically did one because I think they called it a catch on the field because the ref thought David Bell just died, so he was probably so stoned he didn't see the ball come out. Uh, but that was first one we won, and then we won the next or lost the last drive uh, on the Kyron where he slid before the line. So, yeah. He could definitely have a couple more in this game, depending on how aggressive Wisconsin tries to be. I definitely anticipate they're going to run the ball a lot, or at least try to. Notre Dame, you know, like we mentioned after Purdue, the defensive line has been a strong suit for the team all year. How Notre Dame will mix and match with their linebackers will be interesting. They've rotated a lot, but will they key on a few guys, or will they just keep it to three because, like, they need their best run stoppers going against Wisconsin? I'm not really sure, but I think it it gives – Freeman and the defense a, a chance to be really creative in what they try to do this week. All right, you want to do some over-unders? We can do a little new segment this week. Yeah, let's go for it. All right, I'll, I'll pose the first one to you. We mentioned it a little bit already. How many designed runs will we see from Notre Dame? We'll set it at 17. 17. I'm going to say under. Um, looking at this now, I have the Notre Dame-Georgia 2019 box score pulled up. Okay, so they had 14 rushes in 2019 <laughs> against Georgia. That's so low. Nine yeah. from Tony Jones, three from Ian Book, and two from Larry Keyes, I think on sweeps, if I recall correctly. Yeah. He actually had a quietly pretty good game. Yeah. Which is he crazy did. now that well, he left the RIP, program. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Notre Dame did have 12 penalties for 85 yards in that game and a bunch of false starts. So it's possible a few of those false starts were designed runs. But. I'm imagining a similar forfeit on the run Saturday morning. Part of me thinks that may be crazy because, like we said, Kyron and Tyree now are far superior to where Tony Jones was then. But that Irish line in 2019, though it struggled, was still better than where this one currently is. So we'll also see how they use Tyler Buckner, assuming he's healthy. Um, But I'm going to say under. Maybe like 15 is is what I'm thinking. But I I would just be really surprised to see this offensive line able to – to do anything to, to move this Wisconsin front. And I wouldn't expect Notre Dame to game plan expecting to do that going in. Okay. So I agree. I'm taking under, but I think like you mentioned, Tyler Buckner could change it all Mm -hmm. because we saw some RPO with Buckner against Toledo. If he gets significantly more snaps in this one, I imagine he's going to be running a lot of RPO. So I think in that way, Notre Dame actually might get a few more design runs, but when Cone is in at quarterback, I, I don't really expect Notre Dame to run the ball at all, really. No. The run is basically going to be a pass. It's going to be like a swing or something. 
Um, but Chris Tyree has been pretty damn good in the passing game. And, you know, he had that one touchdown against Toledo. He almost broke that one against Purdue. He's been really effective. So why run it when you yeah. could just get it to him on the outside in space and he could take it to the house potentially? And I mean, I heard this on, I forget what other podcast it was, but they were talking about uh, punt returns now, jokingly, because Kyron actually had a couple last week. The punt returns are the extension of the running game now, too, because we're actually <laughs> returning punts. So those short screen passes in the uh, yeah. punt games, they're all extensions of the run game. <laughs> all right, next one. Sacks give it up by Notre Dame. We'll set it at four. I'm going to go ahead and take the over because Notre Dame has already given up 15 sacks Yikes. in three games all season, so they're averaging five a game. Yeah. Going up against the best pass rush they've seen all season, I feel like you have to expect that they're going to get four or going to give up four, which is really yeah. unfortunate. But like you said, things could change, but I'm taking the over. So what? They let up six week one, or was it five and six week one and two, and then I think it was four last week against Purdue? Yeah, something like that consistently bad i'm gonna say under i'm gonna say under i i actually think reese does a lot of interesting things to get cone in safe formations where he can get the ball quick and like i said wisconsin doesn't actually have a ton of tackles for loss and outside of sanborn doesn't really have like a great passing threat or rush pass rushing threat they do blitz a bunch so that could be jailbreak I mean, we might see what we saw from Purdue the first play of the game where it's just the two linebackers go straight through the A-gap and just smack Cone on the first play like what Purdue did last week. But um, we'll see. I, like They just get off the field really quickly. That's kind of the strength of their defense. So it's going to be boomer bust again for Notre Dame Saturday, and I'm just hopeful there's enough explosive plays to, to carry them to victory. Okay. Times they mentioned the fact that Jack Cone played at Wisconsin on the broadcast. We're going to go six. It's Gus Johnson on the call, right? Yeah, him and Joel Klatt. Okay, yeah, over. I mean, they're going to milk this every possible <laughs> way they can. I, I don't really know what to say. It's it's going to be bad. I'm glad we don't have to watch it. Okay, so if you're taking the over, like how much over? I think like like I don't think it's going to be a down-the-wire game. Like I don't think we're going to score in the last drive. But say we do, it's going to be like – the Wisconsin transfer graduate student yeah. quarterback from Wisconsin who also committed to Notre Dame to play lacrosse <laughs> but then yeah. played football at Wisconsin, just beat Wisconsin, his old school. Like, I think it's going to so be that egregious. It. It's going to be that egregious, yes. Well, the Notre Dame-Boston College game last year, I mean, they did not stop talking about Book and Jerkovic, and Mm-mm. that was a little bit more, I don't want to say hostile, but like, there was a little bit more bad blood. They didn't run in the same crew, as Brian Kelly said. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice way to put it. Um, I'm taking the over, too. I think, like you said, Gus Johnson is going to milk it, and they'll probably be heavy on it to start, and then depending on the game goes, they could be real heavy on it at the end, but we'll see. All right, last over under before we get to score predictions. Um, one, <laughs> Wisconsin passing touchdowns. I did say he's going to throw six picks, right? So, I mean, I, mean, I don't think it's actually that many, but... He hasn't done it yet. I don't think he does it against this secondary, which has, knock on wood, actually been very good this year, even outside of Kyle Hamilton. I just, I don't believe you can do it until you show me you can. So, sorry, Graham. I don't think you're throwing one. I'm expecting a push. Okay. I feel like okay. he's going to get one, okay. maybe. I, it seems to be, like, if Notre Dame just stacks the box every time, he could potentially get one. Um, but, yeah, I'll say push. All right. Ready for score predictions? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. All right, let it rip. So the more I've thought about this game, I've 
realized we may actually learn nothing from it. Uh, here's why. I don't think Wisconsin's very good, especially offensively. I think they're pretty inept. People point to the fact that they had 29 first downs to Penn State's 11 in week one. Guess what? Mertz was still terrible and has been terrible <laughs> for a while, and they couldn't score. Why do we also think Penn State is good? Why? Because they beat an <laughs> Auburn team quarterback by Bo Nix at home in a close game. I, I just don't get it. Sean Clifford is their quarterback. Like they're not a good they're not a good offensive team either. Just top to bottom, Notre Dame has more NFL talent on its roster than Wisconsin does. They have recruited better, they've developed better, and they have played better than Wisconsin the past five seasons. They've gone to two of the last three playoffs. Wisconsin has lost six straight against ranked teams. And by the way, they've lost four of their last eight regular season games. I, I think the Irish do enough to score on this Badgers defense, which is admittedly pretty good. I think Hamilton has two picks on Mertz. I really do. And, and they stifle Wisconsin in a 24-10 to 10 win. I, I'll be honest. I strongly dislike Wisconsin. It's one of those schools that people really? try to say. I have not been able to tell <laughs> this podcast. People try to like compare the two schools. I've been there twice. In what way? Like, when have I been to Wisconsin? Similar? No, no, no. I'm saying, oh. like, how are they oh, similar? Oh, just because like the, the kids, the kids that go to program. the kids that go to the school are similar. I and I would contest uh. that. Although I do have some friends that went there. So if you're listening to this, sorry, I'm about to go on a little bit of a rant. But I've been to Madison twice. Like some terrible things have happened both times. Just worst New Year's of my life going there in 2019. Um, That's right going to have to be Cotton a discussion Bowl. we have once we stop recording. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's one of those schools, and this is ironic saying this, it's one of those schools people who have just like a cult-like affinity for for almost no reason because it's not that damn special. And further, people from Wisconsin are all just a bit off. Like they're all the same guy. They have some weird name like Brevin. Their family has lived in Wisconsin forever, and they just have no sense of humor and are, are a little bit weird. So I don't like Wisconsin, the state. I don't like the people that go there, and I've been waiting to destroy the university for a long time. So wow. nothing would make me more happy <laughs> than just a blowout win on Saturday, but I'll keep it to two scores. Wow, I really wanted like a Smith of old three-touchdown prediction. <laughs> I just I can't do that with that line, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. All right. Obviously, we're biased. We don't shy away from that at all. But as I've been thinking about this game all week, I've tried to take a step back and look at it as objectively as possible. And candidly, my main takeaway is that neither team has been impressive this season at all. Wisconsin is coming off a bye, which is kind of weird in week three to have a bye. So that helps in preparation. But on the other hand, Notre Dame looked like it actually started to find itself last week against Purdue, at least on defense. So something's got to give there. Um, I really have no idea what to expect on Saturday other than the fact it's probably going to be low scoring. I mean, the fact that the over-under is at 46 and a half in a modern college football game, especially one of this magnitude, is kind of hilarious, especially when you got teams like Alabama who score 46 a game. Um, so games like this are so often decided in the trenches. And if I'm being honest, Wisconsin has the advantage there. Notre Dame's front seven might be as good or just a little bit better than Wisconsin's offensive I mean, line. Did you watch them against Penn State? Tyler Beach let up seven hurries on his own. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Notre Dame's defensive line is better than Wisconsin's offensive line, but it's a little bit more slim compared to the other side where I okay, think Wisconsin's this is fair. Seven yes. defense <laughs> is significantly better than Notre Dame's offensive line, at least from what we've seen so far. And again, like we mentioned, I'm kind of holding out hope that this is the week the offensive line just figures it out and maybe having Michael Carmody back in the lineup, we assume, will help with things. But 
until I see in person, I'm really not sure. So, so far, you got to lean Wisconsin there. So, even though Notre Dame has much better skilled players on offense, we both agree Notre Dame isn't even going to try and run the ball. And I don't have any confidence Cone is going to have time to get the ball out to his playmakers on the outside if he's getting pressured every down. And I don't have enough confidence in Buckner that he's going to be the one going against one of the best defenses in the country and only a second game getting legitimate PT. So I guess my biggest fear is that we see a situation like the Super Bowl this past year when Patrick Mahomes was just running for his life the entire time and couldn't get the ball to any of his elite playmakers because he's running for his life. All that being said, I think both teams are dead even, so I'm going to go with the intangibles. And unfortunately, the intangible that keeps coming up is my horrific record uh, when I travel to big games like this. I've never seen them win a game like this away from home, and I don't have enough confidence after what I've seen to see that change on Saturday. So I'm actually taking Wisconsin 17-13. So there are curses. You're a liar. There are curses. <laughs> I can't believe hard. that. Dude, are you kidding me? Of course have you watched curses. them? Have I'm you a- watched them play? Do you really think Wisconsin is going to win that football game? That's just shocking Again. to me. I- I think I that said he, it's uh, even. I'm I'm taking blame. Of course, I believe there's curses, dude. I'm a Cleveland sports. I'm fan. tired of hearing that. <laughs> I am. I mean, I just don't understand anything about anybody who would pick Wisconsin in this game. Um, dude, whatever. Okay, I'm getting really admit, upset. I'm getting really upset. Now. <laughs> I didn't feel good when I saw Toledo lost to Colorado State, twenty-two to six. Okay, they took us like to the very end. Yeah, that, I mean, okay, that is true. But I, I mean, <laughs> in in Florida State lost to Jacksonville State, dude. It's like Notre Dame hasn't looked good against shitty teams. Yeah, but they have a better roster, and they haven't played yeah, well yet. I agree. And they're three. They haven't played well yet, and they're still three and zero. Oh. Like I, 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 we're peaking at the right time. <laughs> we're <laughs> peaking. We just, peaking is an absurd thing to say right now. I, I said we're game. we're going to peak at the right time. Is probably better. Okay. Um, hey, I, I mean, we we haven't really been close to right, except I think your Purdue. Score prediction was pretty good. We haven't really been close to right on. I was right there. They have not lost. They have not lost a regular season game since October twenty sixth, twenty nineteen, in a monsoon in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Which is I shouldn't even said the name of that place. I like it's not ending to this just crap Wisconsin team. It's not. I I just don't see it. I hope you're right. I I've honestly. I mean, obviously this could change a lot given Saturday. I've started to get a little bit more nervous about the following week, but. This week does not, it just doesn't threaten me. The only thing that threatens me about this week is the fact that it's at Soldier Field and that it's at 11 a.m. I will say, though, if Notre Dame wins, that 11 a.m. kick is going to be great because I'm just going to be in a state of pure bliss for like the rest of Saturday. I'm going to be riding yeah. such a high. Well, so I guess let's, that'll be good. Yeah, let's wrap this before I say something I regret, but I think you're really <laughs> going to regret that pick. I hope I'm wrong. But all right, that'll do it for this episode of Sons of Saturday Irish. Uh, Luke and I will be back on Tuesday to recap the game and everything else from this weekend in Chicago. Um, In the meantime, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and help spread the word. And give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sons of Sat Irish. Talk to you Tuesday.